tell you, I was in a revival meeting oh, a couple of weeks ago before the snow. We're in Ezra, chapter 4. You'll be finding that. And I tell you, I like to wore a hole in my britches <laughs> sitting there listening to the music. You don't know what you have until it's not here. I want to tell you, praise God for great, great, great music. I praise the Lord. Uh, Ezra, chapter 4 is where we're down to. I will tell you that uh, the truth is I can hardly breathe this morning. I had a, a wreck with a steel fence, and it won. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm having a kind of hard time catching my deep breath. But I, I'm going to get through. Don't worry about a thing. I'm going to get through. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. So <laughs> you endure to the end. Amen. We'll get through this together. Ezra chapter 4, remember Ezra reminding again that God is more interested in building people than he is in building buildings. Buildings are important to reach people, but God is interested in building people. Ezra chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity Builded the temple unto the Lord God of Israel. Then they came to Zerubbabel and unto the chief of the fathers and said unto them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. We do sacrifice unto him since the days of Isaradon, king of Asur, which brought us up here. But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel said unto them, You have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God, but we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus the king of Persia hath commanded us. Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah and troubled them in building, hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius king of Persia. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed and Lord, I just pray your spirit would continue to take control of this service. God, how good it is to be in your house. How good it is to be surrounded by your people. Lord, to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and to sense the love that people have for one another. God, let your spirit have control of everything said and done. Lord, those that are sitting in this place today that have never met you personally, dear Father, would you convict them through the power of the Holy Spirit and save them? Don't let them walk out of this place the same way they walked in. Maybe there are others that need to become a member of this church. Maybe there are others that just need to come to the altar and say, I need to come to the altar. I need grace. And, uh, Lord, that you're the only one who can grant that. Have your way now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And what a blessing it is to be able to see you here and to preach this morning, amen? Uh, Woodland Hills is a place of peace, a place of unity, a place where the Holy Spirit of God presides, a place where family, people are loved and cared for. And uh, they love God, you love God, and we love each other. We're hold to the in inerrant word of God. And Ezra chapter three, Ezra chapter four, reminds us that we're still going to have demonic attacks. Uh, 
We're not going to get demonic attacks because we're necessarily doing anything wrong. We're going to get them because we do things right. Uh, Thomas Jefferson was part of our founding fathers. Uh, he was the third president of the United States. And a tremendous, uh, actually wrote the Declaration of Independence there. But in his election, it was a tie vote. And it went to the House of Representatives. And the House of Representatives voted 35 times. And it was still a tie vote. On the 36th time, the House of Representatives, 10 states voted for Jefferson and he became the third president of the United States. All I'm saying is this. We look at Thomas Jefferson and talk about what a great guy he was and how many things he accomplished, but I want to tell you, he had a lot of hard knocks too. There were a lot of obstacles. And the same thing is true in a house of the Lord. Opposition arises from everybody sooner or later. But when you face it, it determines what you'll be, who you'll be, and what you'll do. In Ezra chapter 3, the brazen altar had been rebuilt. The burnt offerings were offered up in worship to the Lord. First time that's happened in over 50 years. The foundation of the temple was laid. It was an exciting time. The Jewish people were pumped. They were on fire. They were thrilled at what God was doing through them. But it didn't take long for the opposition to arise because there were adversaries that didn't want the Jews to rebuild the temple, didn't want them to rebuild Jerusalem. Now, I want to tell you, folks, you believe it or not, there are adversaries that do not want Woodland Hills Baptist Church to grow and succeed. There are people who would rather see this thing shut down, turned into a honky-tonk, than they would a house of God. When a person sets out to obey the Lord and accomplish his spiritual goals, I want to tell you, the devil and his crowd are always in the shadows. They're always in the shadows. They're not going to be far behind. That's why, I mean, we love to quote, I love to quote promises of God. There's a promise in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I looked up that Greek word all. It means all. It means all. It means if we're not suffering persecution, we're probably not living the way that God wants us to live. Now, I'm not saying that all the time, but I'm just saying much of the time in our generation, we've whitewashed things and we've compromised to try to get along with people that we're never going to be able to get along with. Uh, can two walk together except they be agreed? So I want to take just for a few moments this morning and take the titles of the devil, uh, Satan, and compare it to Ezra chapter 4 and see where the devil was working. I'm going to tell you something about the devil. He's not creative. He's about dumb as a sack of rocks. He's using the same techniques today that he used in Genesis. He's using the same ones over and over again. So I want to take his titles, show them where they are in Ezra 4, and then also give us a good reminder that we need to be on the watch for him and make sure we don't let him slip in. Because I'll tell you, he'll do anything he can to try to slip in whether it's a church or your home, your family, or whatever. The first thing, first title of the Satan is he's a predator. The Bible says the devil is a predator. Now, a predator, as a predator, he attacks uh, upon movement. You say, what, what, what do you mean he attacks upon movement? 
Well, when I was growing up, we didn't do any deer hunting. We just, I don't know why we didn't. We just, Daddy wasn't a deer hunter. But we hunted squirrels every day. I remember being taken out into the woods, and I remember the, like the first or second morning, I remember Daddy saying, look, sons, there's three of us, don't look for the squirrel. And I'm thinking to myself, why did I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and come out here if I'm not going to look for the squirrel? He said, you don't look for the squirrel, you look for the movement. See, those squirrels, you can't spot those dudes. Those dudes are camouflaged. You look for where the leaves might be moving, and, and you look for the movement. Let me tell you something. The devil looks for the movement. And, and we'd get out there, and we'd see it, see those leaves moving. And there, now, let me tell you, if you're here with PETA or you're listening and you're upset, get over it, all right? Uh, we, didn't, we didn't tie the squirrels up and worship them or anything. We gutted them, and we had dumplings, and we had fried squirrels. We had uh, gravy with them. Bless God, you know, it was good, all right? So I'll tell you that right up front. But, but Daddy, would, we'd see that, see that movement and then spot that squirrel. That dude's slick. He would go around on the backside of that tree. And my daddy would say, now you keep your eyes right there, glued right there. We had 22s because daddy thought a squirrel ought to have a running start. We couldn't use a shotgun. Later on I did, but we hit the 22s. He would walk around on the backside of that tree, and that old squirrel would come around to our side again. Open target. The devil looks for movement. If you want to sit here and be dead as a church, the whole type of this thing is, is our church worth attacking? See, if, if we're dead as Queen Anne, there's no reason for the devil to attack this church. There's no reason at all. Are we worthy of his attack? See, are we moving forward for the, for the glory of God? See, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for movement. The devil wasn't upset when they were talking about building the walls. The devil wasn't upset when they were drawing the plans up. But you, bless God, get out there and start dusting off those stones and building that wall, and suddenly the devil gets upset. He's looking for movement. If he can keep us in, in equal, I'm not saying he don't want to devour us. He does. But he won't do it near as bad as if we're moving forward for the glory of God. The devil, let me tell you, the devil's not afraid to talk. I, I, he's probably about as fed up with Baptist talk as I am. I mean, you know, I, I talk is cheap. I think there's probably a banner over hell that says talk is cheap. You know, don't pay no attention to it. So if you don't want the devil to bother you, just sit down. I can't say shut up, so shut your mouth and lay still. And he'll still try to devour you, but he won't do it near as bad. Our building for eternity is an investment in this generation and the generation to come. Uh, those are the people over there that are going to be leading music. Those are the ones going to be singing in the choir, and they're going to be preaching. They're going to be teaching Sunday school there. And if you don't think the devil doesn't try to do everything he can, you remember the day we dedicated that building there? Had it packed out? Praise God. Everybody said, oh, everybody's going to get COVID. Nobody got COVID that day. Nobody in this church got COVID. We packed in there like sardines. And from that day on, for three or four months, four or five months, we were not able to use that building. You don't think that's a part of the devil's schemes? I don't like being in a battle all the time. 
The old song says, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I like that. But I'll tell you what, I don't like the thought of being in a church that the devil's not worried about either. I'm hoping that dude woke up this morning and said, uh-oh, Woodland Hills is going to meet again. Man, have mercy. We bring some more reinforcements down there. They're going to start praying and lifting their hands and singing and praising the Lord. And people are going to be saved. We've got to get down there. We've got to do something. Are we a church that's worthy of that? You remember in Acts chapter 19, the sons of Sceva. They uh, saw old Paul casting out demons and everything. And they thought, well, if he can do it, we can do it. So they go to this demoniac there. And you remember, it, it, look it up when you get home. We don't have time this morning. They said, I rebuke you in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. You know what the demon, devil, the demon told them? He said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Who are you? <laughs> Listen, I don't want him to guess who we are. I won't even know who we are. I know you've heard that old story of how the devil came down the center aisle of the church during the worship service and turned around and went, boom! Everybody cleared out of that whole place except one old man sitting back there in the back. The devil walked over to him and said, I said, boo! He said, you don't scare me. He said, you're not scared of the devil? He said, I've been living with your sister for 50 years. I, you don't bother me. Huh. Hey, he's a predator and he looked, I apologize for that. He's a predator and he looks for movement, Amen. He's not only a predator, the Bible says he's an accuser. He accuses. Verse 2, they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and brought cannons and guns and swords and said, we're going to fight you. That's not what it says. They came to the chief of the fathers and said, and said. Do you know the devil wins most of his battles by never firing a shot? Just by saying the devil is a liar, he's a deceiver, he's a schemer. Revelation 12.10 says that he is the accuser of the brethren. In verses 6 through 16, there's slanderous words that have been put into print. What he does is he shoots his mouth off. Now listen to me, brethren, if we're not careful, he'll use us to shoot our mouth off too. I know none of y'all ever been in flesh like that. But he will use us to shoot our mouth off too. I want to tell our two grandkids sometimes, uh, but I don't. I just patiently am a good grandfather. But I'll tell you, some of you need to take your top lip and pull it down as far as you can to your bottom lip and hold it there as long as you can. Hmm? You can't talk when you're doing that. Some of you need to quit talking. Do you good to just bring that top lip down, meet that bottom lip, and just hang it in there. Just hang in there. That's how the devil started in Genesis 3.1. He was more subtle than any beast of the field. He said unto the woman. He said. He is the accuser. Proverbs 26.28, A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Mm. I, I want to tell you something. When you have people that come to you and they want to down your church or they want to down your Sunday school teacher or they want to down your preacher, you know, he's all you got. 
you need to say, hey, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to listen to this. You know why they're telling you? Because you'll listen to them. I, I don't want to listen to it. Satan is out to destroy. 2 Peter 3, 17, Therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. There are some things that the devil wants you to trade. He wants you to trade your purity for your perversiveness. You see, everything God does is pure. The devil tries to uh, uh, re re reduce it over here. He, he gives you a fake of everything God has for, for good. He wants you to trade your righteousness with wretchedness. Intimacy with the Lord with indifference. He wants you to trade your dedication to God with doubt. With doubt. He's a predator. He's an accuser. He does that here. He'll do it with us. But he's also, the Bible says, a deceiver. He seeks to work from within. When they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief, verse 2 said, they said unto them, let us build with you for we seek your God. He wants to get in on the inside. They're saying, hey, your God's my God. My God's your God. We're all in this thing together. Well, Revelation 12, 9 says the great dragon was cast out, called the devil Satan, deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out and his angels were cast out with him. You think we're all together? Ask the sons of Korah that when they came up against Moses and Aaron. Ask Alexander the coppersmith that when he came up against Paul. You see, the devil, if we're not careful, he'll try to work people who are not men of God and women of God into places of leadership. And when they get in places of leadership, that's when you get in problems. The Bible says in Acts 20, 28, take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Now, that, he's talking about pastors here. Uh, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. Now, listen. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men rise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. These leaders, Zerubbabel, Jeshua, had no problem saying, you're not part of us. Oh, preacher, that's rude. When you tell somebody that, that's rude. You're being rude to them. Why, well, as Christians, we're supposed to love everybody. I've told several families over the last 17 years that visited here, you, you're probably better off finding another church. And they'd leave. And you know what they say? They say, Brother Charles said that we're not worthy to join Woodland Hills. And that's not what I said. What I really said was, you're as mean as a snake, and you ain't coming up in here tearing this church up. That's what I said. Now, I want to tell you, if you mean as a snake, I, I got news for you. We, the love's going to be so great here, you're going to be miserable. You probably ought to find you another church. One reason our church has a connection class with Brother Case and Brittany is to share what we have done, what we're doing now, and what we're going to do in the future. I mean, this is a place where church is still church. You ain't going to find no black up in here, and you ain't going to find no smoke coming up out of the floor up in here. Not during the worship service. We're here to worship God. The only one who is our audience today is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not here for each other. We get encouragement from that, but I'm telling you, we're here to worship God. We're not seeking each other. Church is still church. 
where the Word of God is inerrant. Preaching the gospel, loving one another, walking in unity. Praise God for unity. We may not all agree. We, we, we don't all necessarily agree on everything. You know, I, I think probably me and Ronnie Jones have the haircut of all. Y'all all ought to have a haircut like that. Now, you say, well, why? Well, if you loved us, you would. See, we can't grow more hair, but you could cut yours off. You, you could be like that. No, you walk in unity. And then fourthly, the devil is a schemer. He doesn't want you to consider the source. He's a schemer. Verse 3, Zerubbabel and Jeshua, the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel, said unto them, Ye have nothing to do with us to build a house unto our God. We ourselves will build it. You have nothing in common with us. How did they know that? See, a, a little bit about history. When Israel was taken out to Babylon for captivity and slavery, that meant all of Israel, uh, people came in. Another ruler came in and he brought people in and they lived all around. And these were people that were living all around Jerusalem. And they're saying, hey, we love your God. We've been praying to your God. We, we're just like you. How did they know they weren't like them? Hmm? I mean, first of all, discernment. Uh, it wouldn't hurt any of us to get on our face before God and seek real discernment from God. There's some things it don't take a rocket scientist to figure out. If you don't believe the Bible, you ain't like us. I just, I mean, that's just it. How did they know that? They're saying we love your God. They're saying we love you. And, and, and how did they know it wasn't true? Discernment. And then they looked around. Seventy years they've been gone. Seventy years. Y'all say you've been worshiping our God? Well, then why did we have to rebuild the altar when we came back? Why wasn't the altar already being used? If you love our God... Hey, if you love our God, why wasn't animal sacrifices being made? Nobody's ever made any sacrifices. Why, if you love our God, why don't the priests have some blood caked under their fingernails? Hmm. Well, you'll hear people say all the time, I, our church is just like your church. I hear it in meetings all the time. And I want to cooperate. I do. I want to cooperate as best I can. God knows my heart. I want to I want to walk in unity as best I can. But I tell you, we're not having anybody behind this pulpit here that don't believe the Bible's the Word of God. We're not having anybody behind this pulpit here that says there's nothing wrong with abortion. We're not having anybody here that says, hey, there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. Those things are right out of the Word of God. Hmm. They knew it because they considered the source. And the same thing, churches today have been affected by false teachers. We need to consider the source. They claim uh, now we're, we're told that even in some of the Baptist circles, uh, we need to get together with Muslims and, and worship Allah and Jesus at the same time. That ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen here. It can't happen because their confession says that the only way that they can get their sins forgiven is to kill an infidel. 
We're all infidels. I'm telling you, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen because our confession. Our confession, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So therefore, our confession ain't going to be watered down. Theirs is not going to be watered down. It ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. Big church last week in Nashville announced that they no longer believe the Bible is inerrant word of God. It used to be a Southern Baptist church, and then it became something else. And You know, hey, that's all right. But, but I'm just telling you, we don't want to compromise here because the word of God is still the sword for everything. Satan opposes you. He'll attempt to compromise you with wrong, and that's all made up so it'll make us weaker. Baptists used to have this thing, the liberals did. We finally flushed most of them out. Peace at all costs. Listen, we can't have peace at all costs. We can't give up some of the things that we stand on on the Word of God. There's some things we can. We can get along with people that don't believe like we do. I have no problem with that. But boy, when you're telling me that we need to get along with people that believe there's another way to go to heaven, mm, no, we can't have peace like that. I'm telling you the truth. I don't know how much longer we'll be able to preach it, but the truth is if you don't come to Jesus, you're going to go to hell. It's just that simple. Temptations. I, I got a big conviction in my life. One major conviction is I refuse to get around rattlesnakes. They'll bite you, they're poisonous, and they'll kill you. So don't, we were working in this water meter out here and Matt stuck his head, hand down. Ooh, I ain't sticking my hand down in there when I don't know what's in there. No, no, no. I, you listen, we ought to be as scared of the devil and his temptations as we are a rattlesnake because it'll lead us down the wrong road, it'll lead us down a path of destruction and of weakness, and we'll end up not being able to do anything. The three Hebrew children, they, they refused to compromise. They came out all right. Daniel refused to compromise. He came out all right. And I want to tell you, I, I know that uh, mm. I know that we may go through a lot of hardship. There may be a lot more obstacles in the days ahead. But I want to tell you, we cannot venture off the path of loving Jesus and making him Lord and following the word of God. We've got to be on that path. Paul said, be not conformed to this world. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's some things that's marked on my memory I'll never forget. I remember, <laughs> you got to consider the source. I was in the fifth grade, minding my own business. This young blood jerks me up. First of all, it's not the way you're supposed to pick up a kid jerking him by the arm. She jerks me up, gives me three licks with a paddle in front of the whole class. I was devastated. I said, what? I'm not doing nothing. She said, that's why I gave you three licks. You're sitting here daydreaming, doing nothing. I got home. I told my mama. I said, hey, you know. Now, fast forward this thing to today. And I guarantee you, I know what some of you parents. Give me their name. I'll go down there and straighten that bunch out. They're not going to treat my baby like that. 
My mama said, that don't sound right. I need to get the rest of the story. And then I ended up getting another whipping that night. Huh? See, you got to consider the source. You got to consider the source. You're talking about a fifth grader's mind versus a, an adult teacher's mind. You got to consider the source. I was down at Walmart. I was reading Facebook yesterday. Somebody put on Facebook that they were at Walmart and they were limiting people to 10 per, the whole store to 10 people. And I thought, y'all crazy as a road lizard. And somebody comes back and says, oh, yeah, we was down there. They let 100 in. No. And finally, somebody from Walmart came on there and said, we are limited, but it's 1,008 or 1,012 or something in the store at the same time. But this whole, everybody's believing, you can't go to Walmart down there. They're only letting 10 in at a time. Good grief. You know how long you'd be there? Wow. Let me give you, i got to hurry. We're, we're, as a, he's a liar also. He's a liar. Mm. As a, he only tells part of the story. You see, what he's telling in verses 6 through 16 is these Jews didn't pay taxes to Persia. These Jews didn't pay taxes to, uh, to uh, 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 Babylon. And, and, and it was true. They didn't. They didn't pay taxes. But the thing that wasn't told was when they didn't pay taxes, Persia didn't exist. Babylon didn't exist. So they didn't pay taxes because they didn't exist. See, that's how the devil does it. He gives you enough truth to you. Make it, well, you know, that could be true. That may be true. We need to come up with this thought. That don't sound right. Our new president has done two wonderful things. You do know he's cured global warming in three weeks. I want to tell you, I, I salute him for that. I bet I had all this I want. But number two, his, uh, his uh, press secretary, I love it. She said, she's got this statement. I'm going to be using it. We need to use it all the time. Let me circle around on that and get back with you. I like that. I like that. Let, let, me, let me circle around on that and get back with you. When somebody comes up telling you something that's not right, you say, ooh, that don't sound right. Let me circle around on that and get back with you. Huh. Proverbs 18, 17 says, He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. What does that mean? That means that there's two sides to every story. You hear the first one, you think, ooh, that, uh, I can't believe that. And then you hear the second side, ooh, well, okay. You see, we need to understand it, that don't sound right. Becky and I visit a, a couple, I don't think it was this church, I think it was our last church, I can't remember. But she'll know, uh, ask her. We were in this home, and this couple just loved the church, everything's great, and we saw the wife kick the husband under the coffee table. Now anytime the wife, when the preacher and his wife are there and the wife kicks the husband, you know, you know something's up. And, he, and he, he finally breaks loose and he says, you know, we heard rumors that you collected watches and rings of everybody who came and you put that in the building fund. And I said, that's about the craziest thing I ever heard of. She said, well, we, we uh, you know, we didn't believe it. He said, we didn't believe it. And she kicked him again. 
and he would never give. So finally she said, he put his ring and his watch in his pocket before we got in church. <laughs> Remember that, babe? <laughs> you, how, how does a rumor like that? Now listen, it wasn't very long after that that a guy came up, a member of our church, it was the other church, and he said, Brother Charles, I got a problem. There's a rumor going around that you're taking up watches and rings. One of my coworkers told me that, and I didn't know what to tell him. I started to slap him in the next week. I said, what do you mean you don't know what to tell him? Tell him it's not true. I mean, end the thing right here. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Your preacher's taking up watches and rings. I don't know what to tell him. Tell him it's not true. Good grief. You see, he's a liar. Now, there is part of that story. If you've got watches and rings that you're not using, <laughs> turn them things in. <laughs> let, let, let me tell you how it operates around Hawthorne, Longview, these small areas. There, there ain't much to see and there ain't much to do. But what you hear makes up for it. Amen. Let me give you this last one and I'm through. He's known as an adversary. An adversary. And as an adversary, the devil wants you to jump to a conclusion. When they sent the papers to King Darius there, the king, he jumped to conclusions. And he immediately shut down the building project. You know, what he should have said was, whoa, that don't sound right. Let me circle around and get back to you. Go, go, go pull Cyrus's file. Why did Cyrus send them over there to start with? Go pull that file. But he didn't do any of that. He jumped to a conclusion. Hmm. The conclusion that we need to jump to is that we're going to believe each other. We're going to love each other. Instead of jumping to conclusions, I'm going to trust that you love me, and you've got to trust that I love you is Welsh literature. It's a fable. It's not real. Hello, for the, all of you out there in TV land, this is a fable, okay? It's written in the 1200s. A husband and wife, young couple, loved each other, had a baby. The mother died. There's no one out there. They're about to starve to death. So the husband, the daddy, there's no one to watch the baby. The daddy chains the dog up to the, to the baby bed in their little old makeshift hut to try to protect the baby while he goes out and hunts. He comes back, and as he comes in the door, the baby bed's turned over. The dog's got blood on his lips. The man immediately takes out a sword, kills the dog, because he thought he'd eaten the baby. When the dog gave his last whelp, it woke the baby up over in the corner. And laying by the baby was a dead wolf that the dog had killed. Mm. Now, I know that's just a fable. It's not true. It's a fable. But folks, there have been lots of people hurt in churches because somebody jumped to a conclusion. They didn't get all the information. They didn't know what they were talking about. 
jump to a conclusion. The devil would love to have you jump to a conclusion. Don't do it. Don't do it. Years ago on a Monday night football, that's back when we could watch football. We don't do it anymore. <laughs> Frank Gifford was there. And they were talking about the greatest runner that ever ran. It was Walter Payton is who they brought up. And old Frank said, you know what? I add all this up. In his career, he has run more than nine miles. Wow. What a, man, what a, man, that's something. And I can't remember who the second guy was, but he said, Frank, here's the important thing about the story. Every 4.6 yards, he got knocked down. He ran a total of nine miles, but his average running was 4.6 yards per carry. So he run nine miles, but every 4.6 yards, he got knocked down. I want to tell you, the devil would love to knock you down. He'll tell you, he'll fool with your mind. Man, he'll tell you, your family would be better off without you. That's a lie. That's a lie. Don't let the devil get a hold of your mind like that. That's not true. He'll tell you, you know what? Uh, Woodland Hills has got enough people. They got plenty of singers. They got plenty of blah, blah, blah. We don't even, we, we, I guess we just need to go somewhere else. They got plenty of people. That's a lie. Not if you'll work. We want you. The devil's going to knock you down. But here's the good news. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. I'm telling you, I didn't say this in the first service. I did over at Mason Creek. Brother Aaron sang my favorite song this morning, Lily of the Valley. When I had that fight with that iron gate yesterday, I mean, I, I was just in the snow, knee down. My first thought, he will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith and do his blessed will, I'm telling you, if we'll get a hold of Jesus and let Jesus get a hold of us, we'll be able to face any temptation, any trial that comes in these days ahead. And folks, I wish I could be positive and tell you that things look good, but they don't look good. It looks like we're headed down a path that is more anti-Christian than it's ever been before. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you why. I'm praying for you. You're the ones. See, I, I, my job's easy. I got spiritual people like Case, Brother Aaron, Jason, Chris, all, all them around me all week long, and they're encouraging. They're great encouragers. But you've got to go out there in the world and work. Some of those people are not encouragers. Some of those people are bent on tearing you down. But I'm asking you to come to God. If you need a church home, come join this family here. If you need to come and pray at this altar, these altars are here, please come. That, that, listen, come to Jesus. If you need to be saved, the devil would love for you to jump to a conclusion. You know some people are not saved because so-and-so did this, so-and-so did. Hey, is that worth going to hell over? Good grief. Man, get in your right mind. Come to Jesus. Father, thank you today for allowing us to worship in this place. 
how we've been blessed by the music, by your word. Could we ask you, Lord Jesus, would you have your way during this invitation time? Lord, may we forget about ourselves, focus on you. Lord, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand together as Brother Aaron leads us in our invitation?